Hello and welcome to the Red Leaf Card, your home for Canadian soccer news and views. My name is Jacob. Today on this episode is a large breaking news of topics and it's about the Canadian soccer business terminating with Media Pro of the rights for Canadian Premier League and the Canadian Championship and also the Canadian Soccer Association's general secretary part ways with Canadian Soccer Association and also Pickering FC coming back to League One Ontario and also Baloo Tabla coming back to the Canadian Premier League for Atletico Ottawa and if also to talk with with these topics is a familiar face is Jason Whistle from the podcast It's Not That Bad. Nice to have you. Jacob, it has been way, way, way too long. How are you doing, man? Actually, great. It's been a great time of talking with a lot of topics for the Canadian soccer. And it's really a a big month of breaking news for Canadian soccer. And it really stands uh, the biggest topic is that of the termination of the Canadian Premier League and the Canadian Championship of broadcasting them. Yeah, this story is going to be, for lack of a better term, a messy one here. So let's get to the basics of kind of what's going on here. CSB has basically filed a notice of action against MediaPro. They have basically terminated the contract that was signed in 2019, a 10-year deal that was worth $200 million. So for those of you who don't know, Canada Soccer Business signed a deal with MediaPro. MediaPro then created One Soccer in order to be able to showcase the CPL and the Canadian Championships and the national teams. And so MediaPro basically handled the the broadcast side of things. Uh, But now that's no more. CSB has said nope. That there, there's allegations going both ways. So let's let's do a, a basic rundown of what the two sides are saying, and kind of see maybe not necessarily who's right, but what's next. Because right now we're about two and a half months away from the start of the Canadian Premier League season, and we don't know if we're going to be able to watch those games. So it's going to be very very interesting. So here's basically what it's boiling down to: CSB has basically said that Media Pro has failed to meet significant contractual obligations, quote unquote, okay? Media Pro is then turning around and saying that CSB has failed to expand the league based on prior promises and commitments. So on CSB's side, they've said that, yeah, Media Pro has failed to pay $6 million still owing for their 2023 license fees, and they haven't been able to basically find a way to expand the reach of the game on a broadcast side, even though One Soccer does have that deal with TELUS and with Fubo. On the other side, Media Pro is saying that they've already put in $60 million into making One Soccer and all the broadcasts, and that CSB had promised that they would expand the league to to, uh, 10 teams by 2020 and 16 teams by 2024. Well, we're in 2024 right now, and we still only have eight teams in the Canadian Premier League. They also said 
that they had promised a minimum of 2,402 CPL and Canadian Championship games by the year 2028. And as we know, we are a ways away from that. Now, when you realize that the deal was struck in 2019, you have to give them at least some wiggle room for the 2020 and 2021 seasons because I don't know if you remember, there was a pandemic that was going on at the time and things kind of ground to a halt. So even the, the, the massive number of 2,042 games, you have to kind of take that into perspective and maybe give a little bit of leeway. But I think the expansion to 16 teams by now, and you and I have talked about this, Jacob, for a while, how, you know, can you expand the CPL to a certain number? Well, if the promise was to get to 16 teams by 2024, they are, they're not there. They're, they're halfway there and they haven't really had a moment to grow, even though they did have FC Edmonton, was it two years ago? And now all of a sudden that's gone. Now you've got Vancouver, which is good, but you're still only at eight teams. Now on the media pro side of things, you have some changes in the background. So in 2022, Media Pro refinanced its debts in order to be able to give majority shareholder to Southwind Group, which is based in Hong Kong. But now there's reports that Southwind was actually looking to sell 80% stake in Media Pro. So you have Media Pro who's having, you could argue they're having financial problems, especially if CSB is saying that they still owe $6 million in 2023 license fees. And then you got MediaPro turning around saying that CSB is not giving them the product that was initially promised. So this is going to go on for a while. And the problem is, not necessarily from a business side of things, the CPL and the fans are going to suffer. Because as it stands right now, because the partnership and then because the contract has basically been torn up, CSB now holds all those rights with no one to show those games. So right now, we don't know if One Soccer is going to be able to show the games, if they have the rights to do it, if they're even going to produce them. Like right now, there is a massive, massive question mark over people being able to watch these games. Yeah, and also for uh, also the um, that Forge FC, you have also Calvary FC, and also Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, uh, actually playing for the CONCACAF Champions Cup. And actually, I did have actually talked to someone who actually does the camera side for to to do those games. And it's still going to be Media Pro uh, doing those matches. I'm, I'm not surprised because Media Pro has... You know, a vast array of production going on. Not, I mean, they're not just Canada, right? Like, they, they have productions going on around the world. So I'm not surprised if they're still going to be involved in CONCACAF because that is literally right around the corner. And, you know, it might be, for lack of a better term, too late in order to be able to kind of stop that from happening. Um, which is good because, you know, you have these, you know, those, these production personnel that are already in place and ready to go. There, there has you can't just pull out at the last minute because you've got jobs lost, you have coverage lost, and the thing is, when it comes to the Concacaf Champions Cup, it's not just the Canadian teams. It's not just Cavalry and Forge, right? The, the, it is a much 
bigger playing field. So, I mean, I don't know the stipulations behind it. I don't know how that's being funded, but you have to think that somewhere, somehow, someone has maybe picked up a bill somewhere to pick it up and maybe pick up some of the broadcast rights for some of those games. It will be curious to see who ends up showing them because that also might tip your hat as to where does Canada Soccer Business go from here? Because right now, if the goal is for CSB to expand the reach of the broadcasts and to, to be able to expand the visibility of the league, the question becomes what next? This might be a preview of what's next. Yeah, and you also you also mentioned about the expanding of teams all the way to 16, like for all the way for like four years from the start of 2019. And this is, and everyone knows that um, you can't make a, a speedy of expansion of all the way to 16 teams from the start of 2019 to 2022. And since they, I think the, that one side had to be of basically saying that we do want to stay on course of the expansion side. And since you, you got hit by a large pandemic and this is something they should have uh, renegotiated about the objectives. And now it's going to hit really hard for the Canadian Premier League. Yeah, I think if progress had been made in expanding the league um, coming out of the pandemic, I mean, the other thing too is you can't just snap your fingers and find an investor who's willing to put the money in to create a franchise. That doesn't happen, especially not in this economy. Like coming out of the pandemic, there were, you know, I guess you could say there were hopes that you know, when things opening up, the fans are going to come back and people are going to see uh, a, a want and a craving in order to be able to to go see a live event. You know, I'm sure we all had that moment where, you know, the first live game you went back to when you could, the first concert you went back to, you know, once things started to open up. And it was probably very, very like cathartic in order to be able to do that. I'm sure soccer fans around the world, and especially across this country, were ecstatic to be able to finally go in person to go see their their favorite team again, their hometown team. And there was probably a lot of excitement about that. But the thing is, you also have massive inflation in this country. And the investors, if the return isn't there, then they're going to have to sit there and really rethink their finances. And is this the time in order to be able to create a, a franchise in a league that has a, you know, at the time and still does right now for sure, a limited visibility? You know, why put your money into creating a team if only a select few are going to be able to see it? Yeah, and also, also for example, the one expansion team that actually failed um, to actually reach that was the team in Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. All the all the stories about Saskatoon being the next team finds out, finds out that they couldn't make the the stadium. They got hit by lawsuits. 
also and basically failed for it and, and there was actually some areas they could have um, could have actually played there was also Regina which usually the owners are located which they have a baseball team and, and it, it it's hard to find an actual group that could um, basically have a soccer team yeah, it's it's a little misleading when you when you take a look at a game in Ottawa or if you take a look at a game in in Hamilton, you know, for Forge, you know, they're playing in very large stadiums, but one has to rem- remember that those stadiums were already built and they're designed for football. So, I mean, it's nothing to put, you know, so- you know, soccer nets on either side and play there, but it gives a much bigger feel than what you should expect as far as a um a new team goes. Now, you could take a look at a number of cities. I'm sure if we actually sat here and made a list of eight more cities based on population, based on available, like not new, available stadiums for them to be able to play in, or at least available fields, I'm sure we could come up with eight. But the the biggest question is, great, who's going to fund it? And, you know, I'm sure in 2019, before the pandemic, you know, and that's the thing. But this, this deal was signed before the pandemic, before everything ground to a halt. So I, I think you could argue that had the pandemic not happened, then it's a reasonable assumption that the CPL could have expanded, maybe not to a full 16, but at least get up to 12 teams. Now, you're starting to see things ramp up again, but you're already five years into this 10-year deal. How long or when's the soonest you're reasonably going to get new CPL teams in? Is it going to be soon enough? Either side is now seeing they're taking a look at a combination of finances and missed promises. And, and again, we really right now only have both sides statements to to kind of glean our information from. And you have to think that, you know, the real meat of this, you know, for lack of a better term, divorce between the two parties kind of sits somewhere in the middle. It's probably a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B, but it's not going to do the game any good because the fans are going to be left holding the ball or with no ball to hold because eventually if these teams can't get visibility, then how are they going to push the games and how are they going to push like jersey sales and whatever the case may be then and really push ticket sales? It's going to go back to a grassroots unless CSB can come up with a partnership. There are options out there and it's, it's interesting to take a look at what the available options may be, but can something actually happen between now and when this case is finally resolved, that's a case up to the courts. But it's going to have to happen soon because, as mentioned, you got two and a half months before that first game of the CPL season. Someone's got to be able to know that they have the rights and can show those games. Yeah, and it's also, for example, that the Canadian soccer business always been uh, going after for TSN or Sportsnet 
it, it's you're like hitting a rope roadblock of that you're trying to go through those uh, uh, walls and trying to make those agreements if that this league would be successful. But right now that you're, you're stuck with uh, streaming sites, but still TELUS um, is willing to to sponsor, sponsor the league and actually help uh, uh, televise it on, in the Western area. The problem is, is that when you take a look at where the population in this country is, and I'm not saying this in order to kind of crap on the TELUS deal because it is still an important step forward, but it's a very small subsection of the Canadian population and doesn't even cover the majority of the teams in the league currently. I mean, if you take a look at the media landscape in this country and ask yourself, where could the CPL actually go? You know, you mentioned a couple of the, of the possibilities. If you take a look at Rogers Sportsnet, you know, Yes, they have Sportsnet World. They have the channel that could be home to the CPL. And it's Canadian content. Let's not, you know, overlook that fact. The CRTC demands a large amount of Canadian content on every channel that's shown in this country. The CPL is almost tailor-made for that. I don't think creating their own their own discretionary channel is going to actually do you know, that's not a feasibility at this point. By the time you actually got a CRTC license for a Canadian soccer channel, you're probably out two, three seasons already. All right. So let's take a look at the potential broadcast possibilities for this upcoming season. Sportsnet is a possibility because you have Sportsnet World, you have the ability to move some of the games over to the main channels, and you also have Sportsnet now as a streaming service. The only downside is. Sportsnet World is a separate channel from your current cable packages and bundles. And Sportsnet World is another streaming service of which, of course, they've already just had a streaming service with one with one soccer. With Bell, yes, you've got TSN. And they have been acquiring certain Canadian league rights like the NLL and the CEBL. And TSN Plus does get a lot of spillover for that. But that being said... There's only so much that they can put on to their channels and TSN Plus will still get a lot of the spillover. Are people going to get yet another streaming service with TSN Plus? Maybe, maybe not. Depends on on people's finances. Because keep in mind too, people will watch soccer. They're not necessarily going to pay to watch soccer all the time unless they are a diehard fan. One soccer was a brilliant idea, but it relied on people putting their credit card down and saying, yeah, I'm going to pay for all this soccer. And the people that won soccer, let, let's put this out on Front Street. The people who behind the scenes at one soccer put on a phenomenal production. And they're the ones that I feel the worst for because they're just sitting there holding their cameras and their microphones and, you know, watching the parents squabble at this point while things get sorted out and they're wondering, well, who are we working for? So there's, I, I do feel bad for the people behind the scenes, but getting back to the potential possibilities of where we could see the 2024 CPL season. Take a look at Chorus. They don't have a, a sports channel license. They don't have a specialty sports channel, but they do have some really intriguing options here. 
Global TV is part of the Chorus umbrella, and you do have global TV channels in pretty much every city across, or at least, you know, in the provinces. So there is that possibility. Now, the downside to that is that those games may be regional unless they do a national game of the week type game. But Chorus also has Pluto TV, which is like their shared service with Paramount. Uh, we get the uh, the Pluto TV Fast Network. The thing is, there's already some sports channels on there, but none of them are really Canadian-specific. You've got DAZONE, you've got BN Sports Extra, you've got MAV TV, Impact Wrestling, and, and the World Poker Tour channel. So while that's okay, it's not necessarily good as far as live TV goes. But if you had a Canadian soccer fast channel on something like on Pluto, which is free, that's the key thing here. Right before when I was mentioning Sportsnet now and TSM Plus, those are all paid streaming apps. Pluto TV is free. Anyone can hop onto it on an app or on a web browser, and they can watch. That's a possibility, and it gives course a foothold into Canadian sports. The other big one is CBC. Is here you have, you know, a federally funded network. And they're everywhere. The CBC is everywhere. And they don't have any exclusivity deals with any major league. And you see how they've partnered with Sportsnet and TSN in order to help bring the PWHL to television as well. Now, some of those games have also ended up on CBC Gem, their streaming service, which again is completely free, which is good. The other thing too is that they did a very good job in showing the games during the pandemic. I don't know if you remember watching those games in 2020, Believe me when I say live sports was really good to watch when we could. The other thing too is if you take a look at the initial deal, the the initial 2019 deal for $200 million for 10 years, that basically equates to $20 million per year. CBC could use that. And well, usually the CBC matches um, that they did on is usually on Saturdays mm-hmm. at one. Yeah, so and that and that that, that is prime to, CBC, you know, sports uh, sports watching. Yeah, and the and some of them had to be at one o'clock, which is not really a problem. The other thing too is that CBC, of course, you're probably going to show it nationally, but if you have games going on at the same time, which games are you going to show? And are you going to do live look-ins? And are you going to do it regionally? So if anyone has, you know, time skipping or has multiple um, platforms, then they could watch it. The other thing too with CBC Gem is that you also have different channels and different uh, regions with their live streaming going on on that app. This free app, got it on your phone, got it on TV, Got it on a Roku device. You can watch it live. I I have watched a PWHL game live on CBC Gem. It's a viable option. Yeah. If you hide the games behind a paywall on a streaming service, you are limiting the people watching down to the ones that would actually pay for it. But if you put it out there, available to people, in a way that either they already have or doesn't cost them another penny... That's where you're going to get more advertising dollars, and that's where you're going to expand the reach. Yeah, I, I actually hope that the Canadian 
Premier League finds find someone that could televise uh, televise the league or even for even the Canadian Championship or find find a stream stream up that could actually do it. But yeah. it, it's the, now the other, starts from scratch at this point. Well, the other question too that's going to have to be answered is, you know, you have a deal with Telus already for for one soccer. You know, and Fubo's involved as well. Like, you know, they, they have a, a fast network on Fubo. But the thing is, does that mean Telus has right of first refusal if this contract goes up? And we don't know that. And that, a lot of these questions are now going to be asked and it may become, it may get down to a regional level because Telus isn't in every prom- province, just like Bell and, and, uh, and uh, Rogers aren't in every province as well. If you take a look at Halifax, you've got Eastlink cable out there. You know? So the other thing too is that if CSB is looking to expand the reach of the game in this country, which is their, you know, their stated mandate, that also means League One as well. And you know, the more you showcase the lower levels as well, the more you bring attention to the potential of some of those players moving up to the CPL and then some of those players moving up to MLS. So you have an ecosystem that can reach a wider audience, but you need the delivery method of, you know, to get it out to them. Yes, you could take a a regional smaller approach to League One. You know, you think about the cable TV stations out there or local independent stations. Your Rogers community TVs and your, you know, East Links out in the out in the Maritimes and, you know, uh, Shaw Community TV stations. Those are the channels or those are the the TV stations that should be reached out to for something like League One Ontario. So you, because right now, like if you go to League One's Ontario's YouTube channel, you have games there, but it, more often than not, it's just one camera panning back and forth and no commentary. Some do. Don't get me wrong. Some do. Have commentary, but it doesn't take much these days in order to be able to put together a bit of a production. You know, and you don't need much. You really don't need much if you're doing it on a on a much smaller YouTube-based streaming scale. But you do still need something. Yeah, and that's that's one of the problems right now, and, and now. On the other side of it is you have now the Canadian Soccer Association General Secretary Allison Walker steps down. Yeah, no, this is according to a statement from Charmaine Crooks. She stepped down. She basically walked away pretty much the day before she was going to uh, take the job due to an quote-unquote unforeseen personal matter. And I'm not even going to try and speculate on what that could be because it's personal right she absolutely has the right to walk away from the job for whatever reason came up and that's completely fine I'm, I'm there's zero speculation here the problem is now they're you know they're left holding the ball but i guess the, the biggest question is is that what what are the needs you know there is no question once over that allison walker was overqualified when it comes to the marketing side of things, consider that she was, you know, working with Overactive Media. She was a VP of Bell Media's brand partnerships and client strategy. Uh, she worked with ML- MLSE. She worked with the Canadian Olympic Committee, all in marketing and content. 
So from a marketing standpoint, Allison Walker was the best person for the job, really. But the question is, what is Canada soccer's biggest need? Is it marketing or is it organizing the, the company? Because, you know, as we talked about last year, there is a lot of organizational, you know, there's, there's a lot of funding that needs to be put into Canada soccer. You know, make sure that practices are paid. Make sure that they can pay to to play these international friendlies. You know, I, and I'll toss this to you, Jacob. The, 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 I guess the question is, in your mind, what does Canada soccer need from a, from an organizational standpoint? More marketing or team and player relations and funding for practices? It is a it is a hard one. It, it's it, it might be all it, it could be all it's like all of them. Like it's the always question mark, and now you just have this blank blank answer that you can't even even fit fit a word. It it's always like. It, all all these things does it have to do with money at this point and that and there's a, a big thing too is that if you have someone you know like an Allison Walker who is good at dealing with brand partnerships you know and and getting clients on board to put money into the you know into the product then you have the money in order to be able to you know, pay the players and pay the practice time and really create an environment that that promotes development, not just of the game, but of the team that's on the pitch. You know, going into, you know, the Women's FIFA World Cup, you know, there were a lot of question marks as to what Canada Soccer was doing for the players who were about to go play, you know, with the, with the maple leaf on their chest, right? Like, but the question becomes... Is, is a marketing person going to be able to solve the player issue from a, from a financial standpoint? Possibly, because they can bring in the sponsors. But do you also want, you know, for lack of a better term, a soccer person in there in order to be able to address the player's needs and, and figure out what it is that's needed for the team? And maybe it's a two-person solution. Could be, actually, or maybe more at this point in the Canadian Soccer Association. And it does lead to all these things and all these um, situations that Canadian Soccer Association had to deal with along with the women's national team and all all the academies, for example. And we've seen all, for example, the Vancouver Whitecap situation and... Now we're seeing the women's national team trying to negotiate for a better deal of pay. And now you're figuring out that some of the uh, some of the people who work for Canadian Soccer Association are stepping down. It's always that it's always this um question of is the Canadian Soccer Association even able to stand out and even find find a solution. And this this is not a good time for all this to be happening. 
you know, the FIFA World Cup, before you realize it, it's going to be here. And when I say here, I mean here, like literally here. And if they don't have this all figured out soon, then the entire conversation around Canada soccer in regards to the FIFA World Cup is not going to be what happens on the pitch. It's going to be mired in organizational chaos, and that's going to be the conversation, and that's not that, that, that's not what you want to promote the game at the world level. That's not... If the, if the resources aren't there for the players, then are players going to actually want to play for their, their, their country? You know, I, I think the Olympics is a different kind of scenario because that's more on a, on a personal level. But I think when it comes to something like FIFA, you know, yes, the World Cup is the pinnacle of international competition when it comes to soccer. And to put on the jersey of your home country, yes, that's an honor. Yes, that is, that is a monumental feather in the cap of anyone's career. But if it's going to be a pain in the ass to do it, eventually the players are going to sit there and say, yes, this is cool. Yes, this is important. Yes, this is an honor. But is it worth it? Right now, and, and again, I'm, I, 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 whatever Allison Walker's reasons for stepping back and not taking the job you know, in, the, in the end, those are her reasons and she is absolutely... You know, she doesn't have to ask anyone's permission. You know, for whatever's going on, it needs to be sorted out now. And a direction needs to be made. And it's got to be all positive steps from here on in. Because the last thing you want when the world is watching is for the talk to not be about the score and the standings and taking away from the players. And what they're doing in the name of our country. Yeah. And not just that, they also have a problem of actually getting an actual, of signing an actual manager for the men's national team. And they're still going with uh, Moro Biello as their intern. Still. Yeah, that, that's the thing. You have a seat at the table and you haven't even settled on whose butt is going to fill that seat. You know, you need time in order to be able to, you know, figure out what your pieces are and get them to work together in a system. You know, yes, you don't know who your who your opponents are going to be, what what group you're going to be in, and how rough that that initial round robin stage is going to be. But you need the time, you need the time, and you need someone who knows they're going to be the one to do it. If you're still sitting there with an interim, that there's so many questions, and that I I feel bad for the players because. If you want to do the best that you can, 
you shouldn't also have to be worrying about, you know, is practice going to be paid? Am I going to be able to get to where the practice is going to be? Are we going to do an international friendly? Are we going to be in game shape before the tournament comes? You know, I have no skin in this game, but I'm telling you right now, it looks Mickey Mouse. And that's not good. Yeah. It's like uh, trying to have all the puzzles uh, come in where it is, but you can't even... Uh, Put it all together at this point it's all yeah. it's all loose yeah and and that's the thing too like the the fact that it's quote unquote unforeseen personal matter that that's the saving grace in this in that it's not like anyone is saying you know she got there realized what the hell was going on and got out no something in real life got in the way and that's that's completely fine and you just move on to the next person and if that person comes in and does a bang up job then then we, we don't worry about this but if the next person comes in and is a short turnaround and you still have people with the word interim in front of their title that's that's a massive problem like get it sorted out get it sorted out now so the focus can be on what's to come not the chaos and getting there yeah I, I well, I hope that uh, Canada's soccer association figures everything everything out for the next months or until twenty twenty six when the World Cup comes in. And as as noticed, Atletico Ottawa has been not a great success team that from previous season that they got elim they got eliminated from from the season that didn't qualify to the playoffs and York United snuck in and they didn't have Baloo Tabla in their in their in their roster for that season but now he's coming back well Atletico Ottawa had to do something like something 2022 you're you're standing at the top of the table and the next year, you're on the outside looking in. Like, that is a... It, 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 reaching the top of the table is not the biggest thing in the world. You know, it's been proven time and time again, right? How many times has Forge, you know, won it all without being the best team in the regular season, right? More times than not, you know. So Ottawa, top of the table two years ago, sixth place and not in the playoffs the following year. That's that's big. And and it's not like they were playing you know badly per se, but when you lose six goals out of your you know, put this into perspective, right? Thirty-eight goals for, thirty-four goals against last season for Atletico Ottawa. Tack another six on there from you know that you had from Blue Tabla the year before, right? If you have someone that's gonna put the ball in the net then you you stand a better chance. You know, I mean, it's it's not that hard to, to, to really figure out, right? But the other thing too is that, you know, someone who has had the ability to help bring the team to that pinnacle, to that pinnacle, then obviously, you know, you're, you're going to have a better team on the pitch to begin with, right? 
I just wonder, I, I wonder, you know, if you're going to have to change too, too much. I don't think you will. Because at least, at least, you have a known quantity in Blue Tabla. It's like, they, they know what they're getting. They absolutely know what they're getting. They've, they, they've had them before. And you, you, you got nothing wrong there, right? And like I said, so anything is better than what happened you know, this past year. You know, but if you take a look at some of the games, right? And in games that, you know, they, they lost, and I'm just going through here, you know, as, as you're really. They did, have think, a, oh, they did have a match that Atletico Ottawa lost to Valor FC, and it really was a terrible loss there. Oh yeah, but I mean, let's let's put this into perspective here, okay? Of all the games that they lost, only twice did they lose by more than one goal. So it's not like they were getting blown out. Now, more often than not, they were just a little bit behind the eight ball, right? And by the way, that that game that they you know the two times that they got that the, they lost by more than one goal, that was back in May. I was like early in the season with a, a 4-1 loss to Pacific on May 6th. And this is when Pacific was looking really, really good. And a 2-0 loss to Cavalry. Well, it's Cavalry. So, but both in May. And after that, things tightened up. You know, all in all, it's not like they had a bad season. But it could be better. It could absolutely be better. You know, and think if he's able to equal his 2022 goals output, that actually would have put him third on last year's team behind Ollie Bassett and Samuel Salter. 12 and seven goals, respectively. That six goals, it's needed. It's absolutely needed. And if Ottawa can tap into that and help with the offensive, because clearly the defensive wasn't necessarily the issue. But if you're not scoring as much as you were the year before, then yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be in the, that, that kind of situation. Yeah, and it, they were they were deciding, oh, should we should we just um basically. Let Balu Tablo uh, free to go to uh, another place. Actually, you get money out of this in the transfer market, and he went to. They gave him to a Turkish Turkish team in the second division league, mm -hmm. and Atletico Ottawa really actually suffered some of the consequences if you had a one of the key players, and they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, and I think I think the problem here too is that what once a player has a good year, like a good solid year, right, and the offers are going to start coming in, and you know they're they're going to chase the money, right? And let's be honest, CPL can't necessarily um, match some of the other leagues, and yeah, to be in the Turkish first league, 
like you have to think that there's some decent money behind that, you know. But the thing is, when you take a look at a goals perspective, you know, Blue Tablet hasn't had or like that 2022 Ottawa year statistically was his best year, you know. So it, it's success over money, right? And I get wanting to test the waters. I get, you know, wanting to take a good offer. It's nice to see him back with Ottawa, which is good. Yeah, I I really um, liked uh, Blue Tablo where he is right now. That he it actually fit the Canadian Premier League fans. It it showed uh, real real highlights. It, and everyone knows the the cycle kick from Calvary FC, against Calvary FC during the time that. He played. It, it brought in, it brought in the highlights. Oh, absolutely. And you know the other thing too. There is that, you know, you bring someone back in with proven success, and that's going to bring people back into the seats, right? You know, luckily it's not. You know, we're we're not that far off the. You know, that 2022 top of the table season, right? So it's not like Ottawa fans have had to suffer at all, really, for, you know, for lack of, of you know, recent um, on-the-pitch success, you know. So credit was credit is due, bringing him back. I think it would have been worse if Blue Tablet decided to come back to the CPL and go with anybody but Ottawa. That would have stung. That would have absolutely stung. Um but the fact that now you take a look at your forwards, right? And you've got a formidable foursome up front this year. You know, you've got Blue Tabla. You know, you've got Malcolm Shaw. you got Samuel Salter, who did very well last year. And Ruben Del Campo. Not to mention you still got Ali Bassett in the midfield, right? Your striking is going to be good. So, so long as your defense can keep it to that, you know, limit the chances against then you're going to be okay you know out of the table last year yes but still with a positive goal differential so you know they were still in it they were and they were still in it till the till the bitter end you know a bounce here a break there you know and back of the net and instead of a post and some of those games Maybe not a win, but at least a draw. And that means you're not giving up points and at least you're still putting them on the board. So they're not that far off. It's not like Ottawa needed to like completely and utterly gut the team. You just need a little bit more firepower. And I think Blue Tabla really does, um, you know, basically answer those questions that were left after last year. Yeah. And... Uh, hoping the upcoming season for uh, Athletic Ottawa might be a positive step for for the Canadian, uh, for for what happened from last season and bring in uh, bring in that uh, spark and maybe maybe actually make it to the playoffs and not not just that also some another even some breaking news uh, I'm going to bring in from League One Ontario that it's something 
it's something about from another team that is leaving, but also a team that's actually coming back from not having the licensing of from pre from previous season. Electric City is now and now now leaving League One Ontario of financial issues, but taking that spot is actually is Pickering FC coming back, but they are going to be uh, competing in the League One Ontario Championship Division, and will bring in uh, it will bring in Woodbridge Strikers to the the Premier Division of of League One Ontario, and right now League One Ontario is going to be trying to find their tenth team for the League One Ontario Championship Division. So Pickering FC coming back is something for for League One Ontario. What's your thoughts on it? I, I mean, being a Durham Region guy, I'm I'm happy to see Pickering FC, you know, back into the League One Ontario. Um, I'm really, really intrigued about this upcoming season. You know, the, the fact that you now have a tier system in League One Ontario. It, it's it is a shame that you know we we started the show talking about. Um, you know, Media Pro accusing CSB of not expanding the game and, and having more games for, you know, for Media Pro to cover when really it's been League One and, you know, those those under CPL semi-pro teams that have really seen the most growth over the past year or two, you know. So to see Pickering come back into the fold in arguably what's going to be a very exciting time, like... We we all know anyone who watches English soccer knows that the, the the fight for relegation and the fight to to move up and not to fall down to 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 lower leagues like it's 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 gonna be fascinating to watch and I think it's gonna add a, a, an interesting new dynamic to this and I think the other thing too is that it's going to build upon rivalries like right now or at least last year. League One Ontario, it's a fairly big league, you know, 22 teams, a lot, lots, lots to go around. But now, you know, you, you take a look at everything and it's like, it's going to be a, um, it's a smaller group and you're going to be playing against them, you know, those teams more often. Rivalries make sports better. There's no question about that, right? They absolutely make, you know, sports better. So the chance to move up, and the chance to do well, the fear of going down a level. Like, I love this idea. I absolutely love this idea. Yeah. Um, lot, lots of, of fans do lo- actually like that, uh, the promotion relegation system. Some fans don't. Some people think that, oh, the Eastern and Western Conference um sides are more of a be- better choice but when you when you see promotion relegation it's a it's always a it's always a challenge 
Yeah. I mean, like, am I expecting much out of Pickering FC in this first season? Probably not. You know, when, when they played in 2022, they, they finished in 14th. So it's not like they had the best year. Uh, in 2019, they also finished in 14th. So it's, you know, they have some building to do upon that. Um, you know, finishing uh, the 2022 season with a 7-2 and 12 record. You know, that's tough. That's tough. And a minus 10 goal differential. Um, so there's, there, is there the possibility of them moving up in, in the, that first year? Maybe not. But more soccer is still good soccer. And that's a good thing. I, again, I would love to see League One Ontario start to get some kind of, even if it's at the cable TV level or even streaming to YouTube with commentators. Like, I, I cannot stress, you know, par- partner up with a school, partner up with a, with a broadcasting college, partner up with somebody in order to be able to help develop the future of Canadian soccer broadcasting because this is a great training field for that. If you think about it, right, any of these cities that have... You know, a broadcasting college or a broadcasting program, or even you know, develop internships with with schools in the area that have a broadcasting program. Develop those skills with those students with this league, and everything grows together better. Yeah, uh, the the whole provincial leagues coming um, coming to light. And you, you, you all know, and the that League One Alberta has come has already been established, and they're and now their first season is going to come up at this point. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I love the fact that we're talking about this now in the middle of the FA Cup because let's be honest, FA Cup is the most intriguing um, tournament. In all of soccer, and it's also you know, competitive. Oh, very competitive! You know, you know, on, on the day that we're recording this, you know, shout out to Maidstone United for beating Ipswich in 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 their match and moving on to the fifth round. Like, like, and that's the thing: you have times when you have teams that, you know, have you know for no have, should not on paper, stand any chance against some of these other teams. But yet, we all know that on any given day, anyone can beat anyone, given the right, you know, given the right lucky bounces or just the motivation of the day. Like, I love the FA Cup. I think it's great. I I, I said it last year, and I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it again and again and again until someone actually listens. I would love to see an FA Cup-style tournament in Canada with the League One Canada teams, with CPL teams. Like, make it happen. People would lose their ish. And all the Canadian teams that that are, are, that are in it. Yeah, I mean... Have all of them. Yeah, we're, we're almost there with the Canadian Championship. The Canadian Championship is great in that it does bring some of those League One teams into the fold, you know. And, you know, with with, with the expansion of that, it's going to be even better. But I'd love to see an everyone in tournament and see how that goes. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, all it would take would be, 
you know, and I'm not going to say Pickering, right? Because I'm not, I'm not going to put that out there. But like a team like Avonizuri knocking off a major team, right? And Kansas Rovers. Exactly. About that. Well, that's the thing. Like, look how good that went, right? Small team beats big team. That's a major story, right? It's not, it's not just this. Um, Von Azori actually almost beated Halifax Wanderers. Yeah. And, and also, AS Blaville almost beated York United. Is another another one that almost almost beated a first division league of Canadian Premier League. It's, but the other thing, it's a competitive, yeah. it's a competitive thing like FA, FA Cup. But it's it's always that question for the Canadian Soccer Association thinking: Should we allow more? Have a, all the teams compete? I I don't see why not. I really don't. There are great players in every league in this country. And given the chance to showcase themselves, imagine what that could do for their careers. And the other thing, too, is that, you know, if you had an FA Cup style tournament, then you're going to have, you know, national interest. You know, you could have a small team, you know, from Quebec knock off a major team, you know, in Alberta, and both sides of the country are talking about it, right? Cinderella stories, people gravitate towards them, right? And if it's through the year, you know, like round one, say, happens in like, you know, March. Round two happens in April. Like little bits here and there kind of thing. Like, do the math. Do the math of how many teams are available and then ask yourself, would you watch a tournament, a knockout elimination tournament in that FA Cup style with teams in and around this country? Hells yeah, I'd watch it. Yeah. Everyone's talking about even CS Saint Laurent. They're talking about uh, Simcoe Rovers even. Like, even TSS Rovers that even talked about, even that beated Valor FC. And also, now, another another BC team, Victoria Highlanders. Yeah. Like I said, you have... Good players on smaller teams, semi-pro teams, you know. Why not give them the chance to showcase their talents and showcase their ability? The other thing, too, and this has always been, like, the the, the question of, well, why should a, a team like a, a Tottenham, you know, even think to dare to compete against, you know, uh, like some smaller little team where the, where the pitch is basically someone else's backyard, right? And I remember watching a game like that where it's like, yeah, the, the field was right up against backyards. And it's like, what the heck is going on here, right? But the thing is, for the players on those smaller teams, that may be the biggest game of their life. And even if the final score is 5-1, well, guess what? Someone scored against that big team might be the biggest moment of their career. And, you know, you take a look at this. I, I hate to bring this up as an example, but look at Welcome to Wrexham, the TV show. Yeah. And how much, you know, people were invested in this small little English town that Welsh. happened. Yeah. Well, sorry. Yeah. Well, that, that happened to be bought by Deadpool. You know, like it's, but but it became a story. And the fact that they were doing better than ever before in the FA Cup, 
you know, there's something to be said about, you know, shining the spotlight on some of these teams and giving them that moment. And you'd be surprised what someone can do when the spotlight is on them. You know, you take a team that should, by all rights, have no chance against, you know, a team like Forge. And if they can hold their own or at least stand toe-to-toe with them, win, lose, or draw, that's still a moment for some of these players. And it expands the reach of the game in the country, which is really, at the end of the day, all you can ever really ask for. The best thing about the CEBL is that it showcases Canadian basketball talent. The biggest thing about the CPL and League One is that it should showcase Canadian talent. And a tournament like that brings more eyes to the game, brings new eyes to the game. That's the thing too, right? With a subscription-based service, you're going to have soccer fans tuning in, and that's not a problem. It's getting those casual fans, and you have to almost like put it on a plate in front of them for them to be able to see it sometimes. A tournament like that would would do well. Yeah, yeah. I hope, like to be honest, hoping that the future for Canada soccer will grow. But right now, we're not actually seeing it because right now, the whole the whole drama coming in for every every single time we're seeing the the broadcasting rights or. And the whole Canadian Soccer Association, I hope everything gets fixed and goes back to uh, watching the games of Canada Soccer and bring in Canadians to watch the game live. Amen. Yeah. And that's full time of the Red League card. I'm your host, Jacob, subbing out.